What's up, podcast? Just want to thank you guys so much for listening to episode one of the Corecast. We really appreciate it. Uh, we've got a great interview in store here. We talked to Dee Tidwell. Dee is a soft tissue therapist, although a trainer and conditioning specialist. So there are just a ton of nuggets of wisdom, training tips, things like that, um, that you can find in this episode. So we're really excited to have you guys listening to it. And with that, let's get started. This is the CoreCast by Anchor Health and Fitness. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the CoreCast. Uh, I am your host, Mike Carlson, as usual. And today, I'm joined by soft tissue therapist, Eldoa trainer, and conditioning specialist, uh, Dee Tidwell. Dee, thanks for coming on the show, Thank man. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure having you, and I, I want to jump right into your to your start and where you began because I was doing some research, and you switched from a communications major to an exercise physiology major, correct? Yep. Those are two very different things. Very. How? What? What inspired that switch, and how? How did you get there? I think when we all go to college, we're kind of well. I should say all. Yeah. Many me yes yeah I didn't really know what I wanted to do so yeah uh, communication is always kind of that simple fallback right mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and then uh, I started training a lot in the gym um, uh, mountain biking was just starting so I was fiddling with that okay rollerblading was in and um, I was riding my road bike a lot and I was just I was fascinated by the change that was happening physiologically yeah um, and I saw that you know I went to, I went to school at Cal State Chico okay. And they have a really strong um, exercise phys um, department. Yeah. And so um, I looked at it and just decided I want to change it because one thing I decided was I didn't want to be like my parents in that I didn't want to be at a desk every day. Okay. So I knew that that was something that yeah uh, I didn't want to do. So that kind of fat filled that yeah that desire so to speak. So that's kind of how it just got it started, and it actually intrigued me because I was. I'm like sure like most people are mm-hmm. just really bored and yeah. super bummed they got to spend a lot of money for the first two years of college, which they just spent four years doing in high yeah. school. Um, so anyway, yeah. That's okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So then you graduate and you you start to break into the, the training business, the conditioning business, whatever you want to call it. Yep. What what was that start like for you? Because you've now you're out of college and you're getting your start. Tell us about that. Take us into that kind of yeah. you know lifestyle. Uh, well, I started as a trainer while I was still in college. Okay, cool. Yep. So Very I started cool. working one is there and implementing that. Um, I think I did my also my first certification then. Nice. National Strength Conditioning Association, I believe. Uh, and then moved here in '93 and okay. started working downtown uh, Denver at a club down there. Okay. Um, from '93 to about '98, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, maybe '94, '98. Um, and so, did the normal gym thing, normal training thing down downtown. Yeah. Uh, worked with athletes, and they have you know the the, D, the DCPA, which is the Center Performing Arts. So worked with a lot of cast members from okay things that came in and yeah shows that came in, and then um, started my own um, in-home business. Okay. And started traveling around to clients' homes. Gotcha. And training them in their homes. Uh, probably around 98 or so mm-hmm. started racing my mountain bike downhill about that same time and when 2099 rolled around I started working with um, one of the best female downhill racers in the world Missy Jody gotcha um, 
and that kind of started the pro athlete uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing, yeah, uh, or avenue, I guess. Um, simultaneously, I was studying under Paul Check and everything that he uh, um, essentially teaches. Mm-hmm. So that was the foundation of my post college career, where I actually learned more. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, always seems how it me. is. Yeah, and um, and so 2000 rolled around. He started a, Paul Check started a, a golf by mechanics course. I took that. Okay. Because there's nobody at the time working in the golf industry and fitness. Yeah. And the Tiger effect was starting to take place. Definitely. Uh, and so just kind of saw a potential niche there. And, you know, here in Colorado, we have plenty of opportunities to golf and mm-hmm. tons of pretty golf courses, et cetera. And um, started going down that road while expanding in the, in the professional athlete realm. Yeah. Um, after 2000, Missy introduced me to... Her agent, her agent introduced me to professional snowboarders at the time, mm-hmm. um, who were also the Olympic athletes of of, um, of that time yeah. for snowboarding as well, representing us. Um, started working with some of the great snowboarders then, female and male. Yeah. And um, then got introduced to the motocross industry. Yeah. Started working with moto, which was kind of a dream anyway, because yeah. I've loved moto since I was a kid. Um, and so I started working with some of the, the motocross and supercross greats of, mm-hmm. of the 2001 to 2006 era. Yeah. Um, and then eventually worked into working on PJ Tour. Gotcha. Uh, as a trainer on tour and got a couple wins with a couple guys there. Very cool. And that was all kind of circa 2008. Yeah. Uh, during that time, I actually ironically started working educating myself through the Titleist Performance Institute, mm-hmm. um, which is the, kind of the gold standard in the in the golf fitness yeah. uh, therapy and education type of um, program, I suppose, Yeah, um, which has radically kind of changed the way the industry looks at golf, yeah. know, which is great. And uh, what else? Yeah, and about four years ago, I started working on the LDO, which is the spine and joint decompression exercise, mm-hmm. um, and the Myofascial stretching and the SOMA program with Dr. Giboye, yeah. which has radically changed everything mm-hmm. for me as a, as a trainer therapist. Yeah. Uh, and it's, ton, it's tough to tons of my people. That's awesome. As far as pain, um, performance increase, just lifestyle uh, increase as far as range of motion and, and tightness and things like that. So yeah. I mean, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Wow. Pretty okay. simple. <laughs> <laughs> for, yeah, you've, Except for the mountain bike part. Yeah. Well, I'm interested in that. I mean, you've race you're you are you still race currently correct or yeah so like i said i raced from probably 98 to about 2001 yeah at a semi-pro level and downhill and i retired retired in 2001 mm-hmm. and then enduro mountain biking kind of got its start in um in about about seven years ago yeah so what do we say about 2013 yeah uh, I'm a Yeti Cycles Ambassador, so I represent them as, a, gotcha. as an athlete, an older athlete, <laughs> which is awesome. But um, so I created an uh, online business called Enduro Mountain Bike Training, gotcha. which is online training for mountain bikers, yeah, um, specifically for mountain bikers and also for endurance racers and for road cyclists, really. Cause, okay, cool. Uh, the whole cycling industry doesn't do a very good job of training in the gym to gotcha. prepare themselves. Okay. And mountain bike specific really didn't have an answer mm-hmm. for the uh, up and coming enduro boom that was to t- take place in the industry. Yeah. Um, so not only did I create that program and start selling it online, but um, and then started working one on one, but also um, started racing again. Gotcha. And um, 
found out that I still had it. Yeah. Because this was in my 40s, so that was, I was 44, I think, 45 when I started racing again. Okay. And uh, so I, over the last six years, raced the uh, mostly the Big Mountain Enduro Series and then also as a sponsor for that series. Okay. Uh, here in Colorado. And I won an overall championship in the 40 plus and 50 plus division. Yeah. Kind of ends up that I'll try it for this this year again. Yeah, just because of the Out way the schedule, the COVID schedule. Yeah, usually by August we're uh -huh. done racing. Okay, but our first race is August twenty third. Wow. So it's a super late start. Yeah. Even for um, the the um, the uh, Enduro World Series, for example. Yeah. And and for the UCI downhill, mm -hmm. everybody's racing in like a six week period, and it's just back to back to back to back to back. Wow. Um, starting in August and ending in October, which is kind of crazy. That is crazy. Is what it is. Totally. Well, I'm interested in your, your training philosophy. You, you alluded to it a little bit that cycling as a whole, you, you know, at the time, you know, wasn't doing a lot of stuff in the gym. What has been your training philosophy, you know, training cyclists, whether it's an enduro, mountain bike, road, all of that stuff. What's What's been, I mean, your signature thing? It, I, I actually stole it, I think, from um, a colleague of mine, um, one of the best uh, skills coaches in the world, Lee, uh, Lee McCormick at Lee Likes Bikes. Gotcha. And he said, we're not dirt roadies. Yeah. And so I use hashtag dirt roadies and I use it in my sales copy and stuff. Mm -hmm. Because mountain bikers for so long um, have adopted kind of a road cyclist mentality where we have to put in a lot of miles. Yeah. And that's pretty much all we do. Yeah. But road cycling and mountain biking are complete different animals. Totally. And so... Um, creating a program that addresses the efficiency of the body is super duper important mm -hmm. and that's what the foundation of my I call it my performance pyramid yeah where we work on mobility and flexibility and stability as the base okay you need to have that as a base and really this isn't specific to mountain biking yeah it's specific to my approach in as it relates to just training humans yeah right we need to have a foundation of, of movement capability mm -hmm. um, second phase would be like overall stability and, and postural awareness, yeah. breathing mechanics, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, third phase would be strength, and then the top of the pyramid would be power. Gotcha. Right? Um, and yes, you can increase some of your strength and power on bike, yeah. but you can't do it like you can in the gym. Okay. You can't duplicate the consistent forces that you experience on a mountain bike, for example, um, on your mountain bike, mm -hmm. because you'll, your body will get to that point where Whatever that threshold is that you, of stress that you continue to put it through, yeah, it, it can't adapt past that. Gotcha. So that you have to be able to push through that barrier by using external weight, right? And so, mm -hmm. for enduro racing or just uh, cross country racing, there's a lot of volume there. There mm -hmm. are two different things a little bit because yeah. enduro racing is downhill specific, but there's still a lot of transition to get mm -hmm. to where we need to do. Uh, cross country, of course, is balls of the wall for an hour and a half. And yeah, just guttural pain yeah <laughs> something that I'm not good at doing mm -hmm. but um and you got to be efficient right? yeah the more efficiency that you have in your body even as any athlete right yeah whether it's a golfer or a mountain biker it doesn't matter um, the more um, you will have these like almost vo2 max gains where your body is more efficient at utilizing the oxygen mm -hmm. because it's it's not stuck yeah. You don't have circulatory issues. You don't have fascial restrictions or adhesions or, or trigger points, etc., associated with repetitive stress, mm -hmm. like poor posture yeah. or seated or texting neck or yeah. any of those kinds <laughs> of things, right? We, we deal with those. No, totally. Um, because if you bring that to the bike, yeah. you automatically have uh, 
a decrease in your overall ability mm -hmm. to create performance. Yeah. Um, so eliminating the, the emergency brakes of dysfunction within mm -hmm. the body is important to you. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing with mountain biking is it sustainable. You go for a long time, mm -hmm. right? So you have to be able to deal, your body has to be able to deal with external stresses that are coming from the ground yeah. that your bike's dealing with and then you're dealing with ultimately yeah. as the rider. And if you don't have good posture, mm -hmm. good mechanics, good flexibility, yeah. then you will not be able to disperse that stress yeah. properly through the through the big muscles like the hips, for example, mm -hmm. uh, and the legs and uh, and the lats and, the, and these big muscles that are designed to to move. Yeah. But also the stabilizing system that helps create stability so the big muscles can do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Right. So if you have weakness in that stability system. And your stabilizers get tired. Mm -hmm. Then your prime movers have to begin to act as stabilizers. Yeah. And now you're just your energy is just yeah. dump loading everywhere. Okay. Right. So it's creating this um, this longevity on your ability to ride and withstand stress. Yeah. Uh, and also we have to consider big time injury. Yeah, for sure. Injury prevention. Yeah. Prevention. Um, longevity. Yeah. And then also when you do get injured, uh, decreasing the intensity of the injury yeah and then being able to recover more quickly mm -hmm. so it's really kind of all of that all yeah. involved in the performance on period, the pyramid yeah all happening at the same time and with road biking mm -hmm. to compare yeah you don't have to worry about most of that stuff exactly because it's just the road it's flat for the most part I mean you're gonna have hills ups and downs right. but you're not going down the side of a mountain or going down a trail where there's just any mess of things could happen yeah nothing's the same yeah exactly everything's the same on the road Mm -hmm. But nothing's the same on a trail. Yeah, that's interesting. So, and then so, that was first of all that was incredible to listen to and, and to understand. What has been you, you you again you started in mountain biking and then you mentioned that you then made the shift into golf and you had talked about how it, it was a niche that you saw where you could really take advantage of the tiger effect. What? you know, outside of those things, what makes someone who's, you know, whole life has been mountain biking downhill, then going to something which, you know, I would <laughs> venture to guess is probably the opposite of all yeah, of that. It totally is. Yeah. Uh, really, it was just the niche and the fact that I happened to be there when my mentor at the time was kind of gave this as an offering. Gotcha. Um, it simply was more of that and a business decision. Okay, like, interesting. Hey, nobody's doing this. Yeah. There's a huge market in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's start working with golfers and see if cool. we can, you know, tap into this industry. And, mm -hmm. you know, the weird thing was, and I think this is a God thing for me, but um, I feel like, you know, God was leading me into these. I always feel like I've been ahead of the curve. Yeah. And almost been part of the standard setting. Yeah. For downhill mountain bike racing, for mm -hmm. moto, for snow sports, and then for golf, mm -hmm. and then for enduro. Yeah. Like, I've always been in the forefront of those. Yeah. Like, as part of the few that started it yeah and now it's like the norm mm -hmm. you know when when i was working with my moto guys yeah same with tour tour players um there's like three of us yeah go out and work yeah and now there's 30 yeah you know what i mean everybody's got one yeah 100 uh, percent of athletes uh have them as a, as as a, mm -hmm. on their team so to speak gotcha back then it might have been 20 percent. wow okay so I've been fortunate enough to find myself in the beginning of these, yeah. these little trends, which is pretty damn cool. That's really cool. Uh, I feel fortunate to do, but you know, golf was one of those. 
And, you know, my goal started back then was, and that's been 20 years already, for God's sakes. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be known by the industry, the media, and kind of the public as the go-to golf guy. Go-to golf guy. Um, whether it's, you know, I did muscle activation techniques when it started back in 2001. So mm -hmm. I was in the first internship. So soft tissue has been part of that equation for yeah. the last 20 years. Um, and so fixing golfers, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. so many of them get up from what we're doing right now. They get in their car, they sit, they drive to the golf course, and they literally just start hitting balls. Yeah. Right? And so many of them experience pain. Uh, so being able to decrease or eliminate people's pain, um, introduce them to the, the medical uh, people that I have in my in my circle that I've surrounded myself with, mm -hmm. and kind of be like an almost one-stop shop yeah. to be able to help people get to the next you know level. is, And that's something that Polchek actually taught, was you need a team. Yeah. And also TPI, you need a team. Mm -hmm. um, so I've always believed in that. Yeah. Um, so um, being able to help golfers uh, in the gym, teach them how to take responsibility for their body. Yeah. Teach them how to take responsibility for the low back pain or whatever it is. Uh, I mean, of course, that goes for any athlete, but um, is that's kind of where we're at. Nice. And then, so you, you you head on up there. So you're doing a little bit of my job for me. So I appreciate you know with the segues here. Um, you've you've done you know mountain biking, snow sports, golf. One thing you know, I think we're all fascinated in from a, an athletic standpoint, from a training standpoint, is have you found that you've brought anything from your, you know, downhill training into your golf training or from your golf training into your snow sports training? Where has that crossover been? Where hasn't it been? Have you, is that something you've seen in, in the way that you apply your, your training philosophy? Um, actually, no. Interesting. Okay. Here's why. Yeah. Uh, because everybody, okay. When we say snowflake these days, yeah, <laughs> I'm talking about the snowflake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not your generation. Not my generation. Okay. I, I appreciate that. There's I appreciate a joke, that. That's yeah. A joke. <laughs> Generational joke. But so everybody's a snowflake, mm -hmm. right? And we all know that all snowflakes are none of them are the same. Yeah. But if they are in a field of snow, they all look the same. Yeah. Right. So my industry, especially with things like CrossFit and things mm -hmm. like that, tend to treat everybody the same. Gotcha. Right. They just it doesn't matter if you have a biomechanical issue or a um, you know, a history of a, you know, two knee replace, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. So I take you, yeah. I take your dad, yeah. right? I'm going to screen you. We're going to do a client history. We're going to see where your, you know, where your weaknesses are mm -hmm. and we're going to address those Yeah. Um, using things like Aldoa exercises, decompression exercises, myofascial stretching, um, you know, postural retraining program, or um, we're going to take you down a path that's specific to you. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, it depends on the person. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So even if I'm doing long distance coaching for my mountain bike athletes, I'll yeah. still do um, like a Skype or a, a Zoom or yeah. a FaceTime uh, physical eval or screening mm -hmm. movement assessment, um, so that I can get an idea of what how they move, and yeah. where key uh, areas that should be moving aren't, and then be able to provide solutions. Uh, again, whether it's stretching or stability work or balance work or you know, strength or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's essentially, what are your weaknesses? Yeah. We're going to shore those up mm -hmm. uh, with programming and then just incrementally m progress forward as you continue to change. Gotcha. So it's it's based off of what your issues are. That's really cool. Well, that's, I think it's, you know, like you said, it's a, you know, everyone's body's different. Everyone has different, you know, ways they approach that different weaknesses. So it's a, an excellent way to train. It is. Yeah, and in, in the end, um, 
we all squat, mm -hmm. we lunge, we push, we pull, we bend, we twist, and we walk. Mm -hmm. Those are like the seven primal movement patterns. Yeah. So one of my jobs that I always have in the back of my mind is I've got to get this person to do those seven things well. Yeah. And if we can get you to do your, those seven things well, then you're really not in, you know, inhibited by um, like obtaining the best performance mm -hmm. that you can put forth. Gotcha. And that's kind of the goal. Okay, very cool. And we're, kind of, we're going all over the place here, but I, I think it's really good. So you've, you've trained a lot of athletes. What's something that, you know, in, in working with these people who are truly at, you know, the, you know, the top of their game, what's, what are the things that you've learned from them that, you know, someone, you know, may not necessarily know, may not necessarily see, what are the things that you've learned from them and, and that you've observed that you think could be useful to someone who's, you know, whether it's the guy who's going out and playing 18 and, and just, you know, playing it recreationally or, or someone who's maybe looking to take, you know, their athletic ability to the next level? Well, It's a little hard to answer that question because okay. all the sports that I've worked in yeah. are all person-based. Gotcha. Okay. Right? Yeah. It relies on you and your performance only. Yeah. There's yeah. no teamwork associated mm -hmm. with that, like mm -hmm. football or basketball or anything else. Right? Yeah. And that's been my background too with wrestling and, and mountain bike racing and, and things like that. Yeah. So I can't speak to the team aspect of things, but I can only deal with... So one thing that I was always impressed with, with... Pro Moto, Pro Snow, the PJ Tours is how much of a family it felt like. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody, even though they were competitors, they still supported each other. Yeah. Um, they still helped each other when they could. Yeah. Um, even though, you know, on field, so to speak, they were still, you know, fierce competitors. Off field, they still cared. Mm -hmm. You know, and I never really got that sense with team sports per se because you're always around other people and you never got to yeah. intimately know people. See them live, see how they live, yeah. see you know where they live, yeah. things like that. Um, so, but in the end, I I would say that those types of athletes, mm -hmm. the individual sport athletes, are more dedicated. Gotcha. Um, because they have to be, mm -hmm. right? I don't have somebody else I can rely on. Yeah. If I'm sucking wind. Yeah. Or if you know I'm feeling weak, mm -hmm. or if I'm feeling lazy. Yeah. Um, and so. You have to rely on yourself. Yeah, and so uh, I think that internal drive, that motivation, was always a, was more fascinating to me. Very cool, and something that I observed along with that family aspect mm -hmm. that I appreciate. More, yeah, more than I experientially got from being on a team. Okay, very cool. No, I, I think that's a good insight. It's you know, it, it is that is the adage with team sports. It's you know, whether it's golf, if you want to be the guy who takes the last shot, takes the first shot, is in crunch time the go-to guy. Right. The individual sport, that's where you're 100% guaranteed to be that guy, but then you also have that added layer of accountability on top of it as well. That's right. Okay, very cool. So I got one more question, then we'll have a little bit of fun. We'll do a little rapid fire. Okay, good. Um, so what would be you know, your biggest training tip to someone right now? You know, it, it doesn't have to be you know, targeted to any specific person, but someone who's just trying to live an active lifestyle. What, what's your training tip? What are you into right now? What, what would be your biggest you know, thought um, on training? Okay, narrow it down to you. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm always gonna come back to two basics. Mm -hmm. uh, it's postural awareness and mobility. Gotcha. And flexibility. Because they go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, they're the bottom of the pyramid. That's mm -hmm. the most important. 
you know, your performance of the performance pyramid is only going to be as, as good as your base is wide, right? Yeah. If you have a narrow base of, of posture and flexibility, you know, it can only go so high. And yeah. it, we know that that's a lot easier to topple over than something that's, a, you know, has a wider base. Yeah. And then you can, you know, your way up here. Yeah. So constantly working on, especially if you know that you're kind of a systemically tight person. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a DNA thing. Yeah. Uh, and also one that depends on your background. Yeah. I have a wrestling background, so I'm pretty flexible still, even at 51. Mm -hmm. um, but if you didn't stretch a lot and you know you're relatively tight, you're probably still tight. Yeah. That's something that you should work on, especially yeah. golfers. I mean, any, any game that requires a, a lot of mobility mm -hmm. and where the professionals that do that sport value that particular skill as one of the most important things, um, mobility and flexibility is hugely important. Very cool. And, and again, uh, I told a client yesterday, um, we had to, I have to retrain adults how to walk, for example, mm -hmm. all the time. Wow, okay. Um, and it's always posture related. Yeah. Right? And he has a back issue. Yeah. And it's like, look, we need to change how you walk mm -hmm. because the way you're walking is exacerbating your back issue. Right? So posture plays a huge role yeah. um, on just overall function and health. Mm -hmm. The worse your posture, the more your guts and viscera, yeah. your organs are going to be stressed. Okay. And there's plenty of research and literature that says stressed organs a lot of time is where cancers and diseases will start taking place. Interesting. So there is a postural component mm -hmm. to disease in your body. Gotcha. Um, so flexibility, mobility, posture. Very cool. Okay, so let's do a little rapid fire. So with these, it's it's just a lot of, not a lot of, it's a, not a high volume of questions, but it's <laughs> it's just, you know, questions that we're going to, you yeah. know, we're going to have some fun. Cool. Um, what was if what was your favorite race you ever you ever I don't know, biked I don't know if that's the right word but what would what was your all time favorite race? Are you talking any kind of race or are you talking mountain bike? We can go any kind of race. I'm interested. I'm a little more interested in hearing that oh, one now. Man, moto man, I had a moto race that I did one time and it was just because I love moto so much and it was just so much fun. Yeah. And hard. Yeah. So definitely moto. Okay. Uh, but other than that, it was probably took fifth place as a semi-pro in the Norba National Finals in Mount Snow, Vermont. Yeah. In one of the gnarliest courses I'd ever seen. And um, I put it all together for that run and did things that I didn't do in practice. Yeah. And it was just a, it was just awesome. Oh, you can't beat Mammoth. Mm -hmm. The Kamikaze downhill in Mammoth is pretty rad too. Yeah. But. Okay. So then this next one, this is maybe a little bit of a tougher one. If you could do one exercise, for the rest of your life, what exercise would you do? I'm gonna say squat. Okay, I like it. Because we have to do it to get in and out of cars, we have to do it to go to the bathroom, we have to do it to sit, to mm -hmm. stand, to play games, to yeah. play sports. And it's the one move that works your feet, your ankles, your knees, your hips, and your torso. Okay. Um, which is one of the reasons why we test and screen the overhead deep squat, for example. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the most primarily basic mm -hmm. things that humans can do. When you start losing your ability to squat, yeah. a lot of a lot of movement patterns go along with it. Gotcha. So I would say squat. Okay. So this will be our, our last one that I want to make sure you're able to plug all of your social media because you're putting out a lot of just really great content on there. Um, but what is the, the thing that, that gives you strength to get out of bed in the morning, to 
do your job. It does. It can be a person, place, thing, idea. For you, what's that? What's that one thing that gives you strength? Besides my relationship with Jesus, you can do. You can do any of that. It's all on the table, first man. First and foremost. Yeah. Uh, without him, I'd be nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd probably be dead in the gutter somewhere, <laughs> uh, honestly. But um, besides that, radical transformation and redirection in my life. Yeah. Uh, I would say uh, being able to provide for my family because. Mm-hmm. It's my responsibility. Yeah, uh, we get that's allowed us to homeschool our kids, which is important. Uh, and then, aside from those two things, is actually being able to come here and help people. Gotcha. Like the guy with the back pain yesterday, uh, and shoulder. I had a shoulder guy yesterday. For them to come in and say their pain's on a seven out of ten, wow. and to leave with their pain being a one out of ten. Yeah. You know that's that's pretty rad. Totally. Uh, so being able to help people improve their lives. Yeah. I love it. So where can we find you on social media? Where can we find you on the internet? What's, give us give us the rundown of those. I want to make sure we're sending some love your Got way. It, where, where can we find you? So Instagram, Facebook is at Enduro, E-N-D-U-R-O, MTB as in mountain bike training. Cool. So Enduro MTB training. Uh, and Twitter is Enduro training, I believe. It's been a while since I've been there. Gotcha. Uh, my website is EnduroMTBtraining.com. Golf is coloradogolffitnessclub.com, and then I have denveraldoa.com, E-L-D-O-A. Gotcha. Cool. So we'll make sure that all of our listeners, viewers, whoever's watching this, got to send a little bit of love your way. Please. D. And I can help anybody, by the way. You can. No. Long distance. It doesn't matter what sport. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I can help anybody. I love it. D. Thank you so much for coming on and being a guest. We're definitely going to have you on again at some point. Awesome. I feel like we could do four, five, six, seven podcasts with, with your expertise. Um, so thank you so and much. And buy an anchor trainer. And hey, we appreciate that. No, seriously, well, and here's why. Because COVID took place, mm-hmm. it wrecked our industry or my industry. There was a rush on exercise equipment. Yeah. So now that there's a break, buy yourself some dumbbells, an adjustable bench, a Swiss ball, a foam roller, um, a kettlebell, a TRX or a suspension trainer, and an anchor trainer because then you have a you need bands there too but the anchor trainer really is the thing that um, it's like having a mini cable machine in your house or your tree or your garage post or your wherever you can bring it with you um, all my athletes have it so that they can travel with it when they go across the pond for example to race they've got a mm-hmm. cable machine in their suitcase so yeah get yourself one I appreciate it, man. You're the best, and uh, looking forward to having you on again soon. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. I appreciate it. it.